What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 26 of the Steam Deck Podcast, Flipscreen Games Weekly Podcast, all about Valve's hot new handheld, the Steam Deck. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Steve. Welcome back to another episode of the Steam Deck Podcast. Are you excited to get into it? Yes, I am, as always. Of course. Who, who, who wouldn't be? But especially with this topic, I know this is one that you've been excited to get into for a bit. This week on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the February Next Fest. But the main topic we're going to kick things off with is all about the year of Linux gaming that might be upon us very soon. Of course, uh, the Steam OS 3 public release is supposed to happen later this year. And we've been talking a lot about what that could mean for PC gaming and, you know, Microsoft's kind of stranglehold on it with Windows. Yeah, so I, I've I've got a um, particular interest in it. So I haven't had a gaming PC for a long time. I've been a a, a Mac user most of my life. Um, so gaming on a on a computer has, has kind of been um, out of reach for me for a long time, especially once they switched to sixty uh, four bit only, or and then over to Apple's own silicon. It was like I can't play video games there anymore because half of the ones you buy on Steam are just not even playable. Um, but the the Linux the the Linux gaming stuff kind of surprised me. It wasn't ever something I I properly looked into. Um, but having played with Steam OS on the the Steam Deck, it's pretty clear that proton really really makes it a viable alternative to windows and i and i do wonder with steam os 3's public release later this year as you've said alongside ioneo um working on a, a linux-based os for their own handhelds whether this is the year when people start to consider linux as a, a truly viable alternative to to windows i know a bunch of enthusiasts already play games on linux um quite successfully obviously um, Steam OS is built on top of Arch Linux, but I don't think it's the mainstream at the moment. And I and no. I hope that we potentially get to the point this year where um, people start talking about it as a as an option, as like, oh, I'm I'm using Linux as my main install now. So what what do you see as the barriers between that and and like where we're at right yeah, now? Yeah, so I think uh, yeah. I think there's a there's a few barriers, right? So there's there's barriers in terms of gaming that we need to we need to break down and and look at. Uh, but there's also barriers in terms of um, just like your PC is not only a place for gaming for a lot of people. I know for you, for example, you use your your PC as like a, a workstation for work for video editing. There's a lot of viable alternatives. I think web-based software has really um, come a long way with like Office 365 or with um, Google Docs, Notion, things like that. You can do a lot of stuff uh, web-based. Figma, GIMP is a great alternative to Photoshop. We've got um, DaVinci Resolve as an alternative to to uh, stuff like um, Adobe Premiere. There are alternatives, but I think a lot of people there's going to be that one piece of software that stops them switching full time for a while. And until things like that pick up, I think that stops people kind of coming over. Um, and that's not even considering some of the gaming stuff. Yeah. I think that's the big barrier for me to even like consider it is that it feels like it would be a hassle to like switch over all the programs I'm using and all this stuff just so I can be on Linux instead of windows. Um, 
But I know the one of the but other I things that, like I felt like that with gaming at one point, right? I felt well, all of these developers are going to have to come in and and rebuild their games for Linux and republish them, and the selection of games is going to be a while. I think Steam, well, Valve had that like Steam Play thing for a while, yeah. that Steam Play program where they had Linux builds of games that were specifically built for Steam OS, and that's back when they were doing Steam machines. And it feels like we've been we've been on this trail with them for a while. Obviously, this is the third iteration of Steam OS at this point. Uh, Steam machines are like a, a, a thing of the past. Um, but it, it kind of feels like n- now is the time for them to really make this play. Not only have they got the Steam Deck, but they've also got the option to to chuck this onto third-party devices as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what that landscape looks like as it continues to evolve and as, like, you know, like you mentioned, Ioneo and, and some of the other folks that are kind of getting in the space and trying to have their own, you know, handheld computer you know, but it's also a gaming device competitor, right? Like it, it seems to be an emerging market. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see. Cause yeah, like, like I think this, it was all kind of kicked off with the GPD win and like their line of, um, line of products and handhelds. And obviously that runs windows, but I think it kind of goes even further a, back though too, with like Nvidia and the shield and everything, right? Like that was kind of, like, yeah, I mean, that was, that was not x86 focus. That was like, uh, an arm based system, right. um, running on Android, but like the x86 stuff, like the GPD wins and the IONEUs and things that have all run on windows. It wasn't until a steam deck came out and kind of just, I think showed people that you could you could have Linux as the yeah. the only option on the device. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, it's funny because I think prior to this the Steam Deck, like it, it felt like Android was the way that to go, right? Like that was what people were trying with a lot of that stuff and um, thinking, how can we make that architecture work? And it's interesting to see like how much it feels like um, Valve has evolved Linux based gaming in in a pretty short amount of time, you know. Um, but but. It'll be interesting because, like, they have the ability to create that layer with Proton that does a lot of that work. I wonder how likely it is that they could do that with other software, like you talked about, you know, the Creative Suite stuff, um, and 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 find a way to make Windows programs, you know, viable across the board. Um, doesn't seem like it's impossible, but to zero back in on the gaming thing, something I know you've talked about a lot is the um, easy anti-cheat support, and that that's something that they'll need to figure out because... That yeah. presently kind of makes a lot of games um, not playable on Linux. Yeah, and like easy anti cheat is one of the anti cheat um, options, and it's like probably the most popular. And and we need that for for multiplayer games. But there's there's like so many multiplayer games missing, right? You can't play Destiny Two. You can't play Genshin Impact. I think the Master Chief Collection only recently got patched, so you could play some of the single player, but not the multiplayer. I would imagine you couldn't, you can't play any of Riot's games either, because they have. I think it's Riot Vanguard is their anti cheat, which I don't believe supports Linux. I imagine that's like a Windows piece of software. Yeah, Yeah. that's the problem. Like Proton has an easy anti cheat runtime, but a lot of the games aren't patched to look for it, and so they're looking, or they've got a DLL in the wrong place, things like that. Like. Fall Guys, for example, if you download it from the Epic Game Store now, which is the only place you can get it from because it's been delisted from Steam, um, you have to move files around still in order to get it to work. And every time you update, you potentially have to move those files again. And it just becomes a whole hassle to keep a free-to-play game just still running. 
Whereas we need that to be uh, an option right at the beginning. It's just like download the easy anti-cheat runtime. It plays the game. The consumer doesn't even think about it, doesn't even know about it. But there's other stuff that breaks it, right? Um, we've seen this week with um, Ubisoft stuff um, just completely breaking with like their Uplay overlay. It's just a pain in the ass, an absolute pain in the ass. We had the sim- a similar problem with EA when they updated to from the EA Origins app over to like the, the new EA app and it booted that up as like a launcher, but that launcher was broken. And it feels like those, we've got to get away from launchers. At least in my eyes, they're just like a waste of time. If you're selling a game on Steam, it should launch from Steam. It shouldn't rely on a launcher. It shouldn't rely on your your Ubisoft Connect overlay or any of this stuff that you've got to get out of the way. It should just run. And there's no reason I think it shouldn't run. Yeah, and I, I guess I guess the question is like what does it take for that to become the case, right? Is that like a solution that Valve has on the software side, or is it something where you need to get the the developers of the world the publishers of the world to uh buy in on the idea that linux is now a a, a viable i think it's that side yeah i do th- I, I think it's that side of the fence because you, we've seen from um from valve side that they'll put the work in these problems they, these problems come up they fix them they do hot fixes they do patches and they're solved within a couple of days but if you've been excited to play a game you've like bought a game you've downloaded it or say you're on a trip, right? And it breaks. Massive pain in the ass. Whereas I think if, like Ubisoft, for example, is a really great example because um, they removed all of their, their games from Steam or they stopped publishing on Steam and they've only recently started again uh, with The Division and with Watch Dogs Legion coming to Steam for the first time. I would imagine Far Cry is probably on the way, Far Cry 6 and Far Cry 5. They publish them the, them exclusively through their Ubisoft Connect app and their Ubisoft Store. And I don't know what kind of changed. Obviously, Ubisoft's in uh, a bit of turmoil, a bit of trouble in terms of financials, in terms of what's going on in-house. And we've seen, like, we discussed that at length on the Flip Screen Games podcast. But... It seems like maybe they've considered, oh, there's potentially a, an audience in a market of a million people that have all bought a Steam Deck and we can sell them a game now. And yeah, 70% of something is better than 0% of something. And not, I think not being on, the, on Steam is really a detrimental to, to a lot of publishers. Like playing Blizzard games, a massive pain. We had Max talking about that on a on a recent episode about how he was trying to get Overwatch to work and it was a huge pain and he had to wait for it to be patched and he had to go through all of these hoops to install through Lutris to get their launcher to work and you've got to just like spend all of this time and all of this effort in something that should be a one-click process. And whether that's something that Valve needs to consider and allow these people to um, have their launchers on Steam to make it simpler or have native launcher support, native support for, for third-party stores. I don't know if they're willing willing to have that because that kind of negates the purpose of Steam in the first place. They lose out on their 30%. That's the reason they made the Steam Deck. They want more people to to buy in on their marketplace. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the, the solution is there, but it seems like we we probably need Linux versions of these launches at the very least from these these developers. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's going to be the problem, right? Because I think I think they're not going to do that because, like you said, like Linux is is niche, like it's not a significant skew, and it could be 
But I, I think um, the idea of them coming through to support it natively uh, is probably a ways off, right? Like, I think, I think Valve is going to have to do a lot more work to evangelize and legitimize the uh, Steam OS 3 public release to, to prove to those, those players that, um, I shouldn't say players, I, that implies the gamers, I mean the publishers, right, the, the powers that be. Um, to convince them that like they're leaving money on the table by not supporting Linux, and I think that's going to be the, the thing that's going to make them do that, um, not just because, you know, oh, this like problem is affecting a, you know, probably statistically insignificant number of Steam users who want to play on the deck and whatever. Like, there's going to have to be more in the wild before they're really going to be like, okay, cool, like yeah, we'll spend the R and D to develop a new Linux based launcher for a fraction of a fraction of an audience that we don't even really want to support anyway, right? Because ideally, I'm sure they yeah, would love everyone to just thing. have their own, their launcher and buy through their things. They put the stuff on Steam because they feel like they have to. Yeah. You know? Well, they have to because no one was buying it. Like, Ubisoft right. came back for a reason. If people were buying their games, they wouldn't have come back because they wouldn't have needed to. But I think Valve maybe needs to put their foot down a little bit and be like, no, you're not having your, you're not going to launch your own launcher to then launch a game if you bought it from Steam. Because yeah. I think that's where a lot of the problem comes from. That's where the problem with the Ubisoft stuff came from. That's where the problem with the EA stuff come from. Paradox um, Games, which are the creators of Prison Architect and a, a bunch of other games, um, updated their launcher this week. Uh, and apparently um, you can't now launch their games by unless you switch to desktop mode and manually delete the launcher. But it's ridiculous. You shouldn't need to do that. You should. Yeah. It should download the game and it should just play the game rather than you having to download it and then going over to desktop mode, tinkering, tweaking it, and then playing it. I bought the game on Steam. It was verified on Steam as working. And then the developer did something to break the game. And that shouldn't be possible, especially for a game that's gone through the validation process that supports Steam. Yeah. Unless there is an option that we can go back and choose an older version that works of the game, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be something that can happen. Yeah, and I think it's frustrating that Valve allows that to happen. You know, um, it it very much feels like that feels like an example of their kind of laissez-faire approach, feeling. Um, bad for for consumers right because it's like why am i being punished for the fact that you didn't want to like that you wanted to play ball with them right like you allowed them to to launch it in this kind of weird like hybrid way and that's negatively impacting my ability to play the game that i paid for right um at the very least like i think if, if they're going to be pushing that those you know that as as the solution and they're not gonna um they're not going to play hardball and, and force these companies to kind of be more traditional with their steam releases. Then like, I don't know. I feel like you should be more transparent about that on the page, right? Like, especially on steam mm -hmm. deck where yeah, they have you a can whole see on section. Some of them, like it has, they do have a section on some games. It's like, Oh, this includes like the de Nouveau DRM and stuff like that. Or like it contains easy anti cheat. It should say something like launches the EA requires the launching or, of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, right? Like, if you're telling me that it's like Steam Deck verified, but then like there's a problem when I try to launch it on the Steam Deck is like, that's bullshit. Like, you know, like I, I wouldn't have bought yeah. a game that I thought wouldn't run if I knew that that was a problem. Right. Or like, and that's the difference between, between uh, Steam and other platforms like PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo, which I think people, they're the traditional consoles. I think people do see Steam Deck as a console. 
uh, even though it is a PC, they go through a vetting process and an approval process. And I don't necessarily want that extensive of an approval process, but I feel like if your game has been Steam Deck verified, Valve should at the very least, when you submit an update, check that the game can launch like, still. Like that's that, like some that's just a tiny little thing that they need to do. It's just like before it gets approved to go on the store, because I'm sure there's like checks and balances that they go through. Like, oh, is there anything like defamatory or whatever, or like a, a profanity in like the description or something that shouldn't be there on the on the storefront? Just do one check of like, okay, let me install this on a Steam Deck, and then let me see if this launches. And if it doesn't, I can go back to the developer and say, hey, just so you're aware. We're now going to mark this as it doesn't work on Steam Deck and it's unsupported, and and we're we're not going to push that update out to Steam Deck players because it's going to break their device. Or give me the option, like give me the option to install the update as a as a player myself. If I want to try the update, or I've checked on Pro on DB to confirm that it's been approved and validated, rather than automatically downloading the update and forcing me to when I when I play the game, give me the choice. Tell me what's changed before I before I play it. Tell me if it is no longer compatible, or give like a review system. Like, let me know that it is playable. Yeah, and don't don't push an update out that breaks a game I've already paid for and put enough time into that I can't return. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I I think if they can sort things like that out, and they can make make those concessions where it's just like it is a case of I download the game and I launch and I play and it plays just like it does on Windows or even better in some instances I think that is when Linux gaming can become more mainstream Ioneo has confirmed that their, their Linux OS is coming out in um, in 2023 and it's a true competitor to Steam OS to the point where we should be able to have an Ioneo installer and install that onto the Steam Deck as well or we can install it onto like a GPD device or a One X player device they seem to be um, wanting to have control of the operating system and that makes sense I think that's ultimately where a lot of these uh, device uh, device manufacturers are going to want to get to we saw that when um android became a thing right it was every single uh device had like a different skin a different differentiation that was how they set themselves apart i could see the operating system becoming the differentiator between devices like oh this one this one it only runs on windows but this one boots with this one comes with steam os or this one comes with ioneo os and it's like up to the the consumer what operating system they want to install on their device if they want to go down that route manually or which device they want to purchase based on what operating system it runs, which I think is quite exciting. And I guess the other the other kind of wrinkle there is what does that mean for you know for other storefronts, right? And like we we talked about like the third party launcher support, but you think about you know um, stuff like you know obviously uh, Epic is is probably the big example, but like I mean you've also got like stuff like GOG and and you know. Um, uh, like the humble, you know, store and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, do you see those folks seeing that Linux is is an emerging market, or that like it, it's you know that's that's a, a significant future segment of PC gaming? Um, and do you see those those people play ball as well? Because I think that is going to be the other thing, right? Is Granted, there are a lot of folks that are like, I only play games on Steam and like that's where my library is and I'm not going to mess with other launchers at all. And I guess for that user, it doesn't really matter. But um, I think for Linux to become like a really viable alternative to Windows, 
in addition to the non-gaming stuff we talked about, that's kind of the other thing, right? Is like, am I limited? You know, if, if I don't use Windows, or sorry, yeah, if I don't use Windows and I decide to go for Linux, does that mean I'm now locked in and I can only play stuff on Steam and I can only use those those storefronts? Um, and will that yeah, influence like we people's have got stuff like, willingness to do that? We've got stuff like, yeah, we've got stuff like Heroic and Lutris, which goes a long way in, in allowing you to use those other storefronts, but it shouldn't be down to the open source community to to do that. Yes, I, right. I, would, I, I would still want those open source launchers to exist because I think they are in some ways way better than what um, what Epic Games and what other platforms can offer. But I would, I would love to have just a native way to download games from the Epic Game Store and run them with Proton or with Wine on my Linux PC or my Steam Deck. And I don't know why that's that's taking them so long. Maybe it's because it's got their competitor's name on it. It's the Steam Deck, and they consider like Steam OS and like that being the the focus of of. Um, Linux gaming at the moment. Maybe it takes something like Ionia OS, or maybe they work on their own one. You know, we could easily, I could easily see Epic coming out with their own kind of handheld, or then partnering with someone like Ionio and having their store as like the main focus, and it being like a an Epic Games focused device as they kind of um, as more and more of these devices come out. I don't know. I don't know what the the kind of route that they want to go down is, um, but I do think that third party launchers need to either disappear which I don't want to happen because I don't want Steam to be the monopoly and the only place that you can buy games from. I do think it's the best place at the moment to buy PC games, but I don't want it to be the only only place. I think competition um, leads to things like the Steam Deck even existing or leads to things like Steam OS existing because uh, Valve saw that they were locked in with Windows and they were reliant on, on Microsoft and reliant on one of their competitors, essentially, um, in order to run their games and run their business, and they wanted to divest from that, and and that I think is why we even got SteamOS in the first place. Is why Steam machines existed, and without Steam machines, we wouldn't have got the Steam Deck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, whether or not Valve looks at um, Epic as their number one p- competitor, Epic definitely looks at Steam as its number one competitor, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. I I think you're probably right there. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this part of the conversation for today. If you want to write in with your thoughts on the future of Linux gaming this year and beyond, make sure you hit us up at flipscreen.games. That's our website where you can find links to all the places you can find us all over the web. I would love to hear from some of you Linux gamers uh, out in the audience uh, about how you feel about the future of the platform and where you think things are going to go. So remember, flipscreen.games, that's a website. You can find links to all the places you can find us all over the web. You can become a Patreon producer. You can uh, write into the show to our email address, join our Discord, however you choose to get involved. We greatly appreciate you. Speaking of appreciating you, I want to extend some appreciation to our Patreon producers for the month of February. They are, of course, Anthony Gonzalez, Christian Oliveria, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Asobi, Mary Berry, Ty the Dude, Wakahula, and Zaid Ida. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash FlipScreenGames. You all are the real, so the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. So let's get into some game talk because the February Next Fest is happening right now for a few more days as of uh, by the time you're listening to this. So from uh, the 6th until the 13th, there are dozens of demos over on Steam right now 
for a bunch of uh, hot upcoming games, uh, some of which we've talked about in the past quite a bit um, that are, are now like imminent for the first time. Um, so I highlighted a few games that I was excited about and wanted to chat uh, about a bit. Um, Steve, if you have any that you want to add, please do as we go here. But uh, the first one I wanted to talk about was uh, Darkest Dungeon 2. So this is a game, uh, it's been in development for a while, sequel to uh, a really, really popular indie game, uh, Darkest Dungeon from a couple years ago. I was a big fan of the original, um, played it on PC, it eventually came to Switch, I think, um, and I think it's it's like going to be right at home on the Steam Deck. It's a roguelike um, where you basically like, you have like a home base that you're building out and like that's kind of the roguelike part of it. Um, and you're like constantly adding new uh, like units to your your arsenal, and you know you'll get like all these different like types of of you know archetypes of characters like a you know a warrior or a rogue or like a necromancer or whatever, and they they have all these different abilities, and you go through uh, it's like a dungeon crawling situation, right? And you'll have different kind of random events happen. You might find a weapon, you might uh, have a battle encounter, right? You might trigger a trap and as you go um you start taking like damage and that like dictates how long your run will go um because like your the characters in your group can die right in combat um but the other big thing is they can like they can go insane right because like they're experiencing all these like dark you know um that's cool like lovecrafty and horror type situations so like you might run into this crazy fucked up monster and then like that messes up the uh the sanity of of one of your you know your party members and then like they can lose their mind and and like go crazy and like start attacking you and all you know all this different stuff um it's just a really really good game it's a really well made game and i think it it brings together a lot of um interesting different kinds of gameplay elements and and marries them in a way that makes for like a really satisfying loop um, I, yeah, I, I, this is one to look out for. If, if you never got around to the first one, um, definitely keep your eyes out on this. If anything, I said, uh, piqued your interest. Cause I think it was, it was definitely one of the, the better indie games the year it came out. Is it worth going back and playing the first one while, while people wait for the, the sequel? Do you think? I would say yes, like broadly, I think it's it's worth doing. Um, I think it's I, like I said, I think it's a really good game. But I also think that like with the sequel around the corner, like, you know, you might just wait and, and jump into this new one because it's not like there's like a you know a story or anything like that that you need to keep up with. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can get the first one on sale very frequently um, at a great price. So yeah, I I highly recommend uh, the original. Um, but you know, if 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 you're like locked in on the second one, you know, maybe you hold off and, and wait for that. But definitely worth your time either way. So uh, the next one on the list is uh, one I'm interested to talk about because uh, I feel like you and I have been talking about this game like since we met. Uh, Mineko's Night Market. Uh, yeah, it has been that. Yeah, uh, it was announced years ago right at when we were at our old outlet um was supposed to come out in 2019 was um then i think supposed to come out again and got delayed it's currently listed as coming soon on steam we still don't have a release date in mind um but you know you can go and play it and actually get hands on it now 
um, here on that Steam Next Fest. So, like, where where are you at with this game, Steve? Are you still excited for it? Um, I think I was really excited about it when we first saw it because it was pre Animal Crossing. Sure. <laughs> um, I I kind of feel needed like a fix. lot of that. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of that got um, resolved for me with with Animal Crossing. But I still am so in love with the art style. I'm so in love with like narrative driven games. I know that it's not quite like Animal Crossing because there is a story to it, and um, there is still uh, things that are are, are similar, like you're uh, going to a market and things like that. Um, but I'm 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 going to install the demo. Looking forward to to playing it. I think it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, worth a look. Yeah, I like uh, how cat centric it is. That's something that's always appealed to me. Yeah, there's you know there's like there's like a game I've been meaning to check out on Steam. It's been on my wish list forever. Which is uh, it's like a it's a you run a cat cafe. No, that's really cool. Okay. Um, it like merges two of my favorite things, like the tycoon style games with uh with cats. So yeah, I thought you were gonna say cats and cafes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, the style of this one definitely speaks to me. I, I think it's got a really, really cute style. And I I don't know. I got to be honest with you. The last couple of years, I've been kind of like feeling a little burnt out on like the like loose, no story. Like it's a management farming kind of, you know, it's like I just feel like there's been so yes, many I think games that's the, yeah in that genre recently and like between the stardew valleys and the animal crossings and these big experiences that we've had i don't feel like i'm jonesing for that really the way that i was a couple of years ago whereas like this being a story driven thing and and being like more narrative focused i could see that being appealing to me you know because it's it's focused and it's less like just play until you're bored you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I've got one on on my list, Pixel Shire, which we'll get to, uh, which is very much that. Uh-huh. It's that play until you're bored kind of thing. Um, it looks very much inspired by uh, Stardew Valley. It's like a RPG sandbox with like life sim stuff. So I don't know if there's there's much of a story to that, or if it is very much just like a it's a Stardew another Stardew Valley. Um, but it was in the wholesome director. I remember seeing it there. Um, and it's on it's on my it's been on my wish list. I'm looking forward to uh to checking that one out. So I'm gonna install a bunch of these when uh when, when we're done recording. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm looking at some of the B roll for this one and there's like a little like mini game where you're like freeing cats and stuff like that. Like it just seems like it's a different kind of game. You know, like it it, it has uh elements that feel familiar in that space, but that are different than a lot of the games we've played in recent memory, you know? So I'm hoping that this game can can still come out and kind of um, carve a niche for itself because it's one that you know I've yeah. been interested in for a long time. But I hope that uh, the long development cycle hasn't kind of put it in a position where people are just not as excited about it anymore. You can definitely see too much of a game. Uh, so then the next, speaking of <laughs> the next one, I wanted to chat about uh, was the System Shock reboot um remake well i don't know whatever you want to call it um so this this game's been bopping around for like a couple years right like it was originally announced in 2015 they had a successful kickstarter in 2016 they restarted development in 2018 uh and then it was supposed to come out in 2021 and then it's been delayed two more times since then 
right? Um, so this is an interesting one, right? Because like I, I have not super known what to expect from it, considering it's it's had a bit of a tortured development. Um, but I mean, it seems like it's coming was along. It, did it change developers at some point? Or no, uh, they did. They did when they restarted development. There were some senior folks who were involved that were kicked out. I th- there was a controversy around one of the people. I think it was like one of the original creatives that had come back. I think he got um, publicly called out for like some misconduct stuff. And I think he, he got shuffled off, but it's been the same studio. Um, their kind of claim to fame is doing uh, like getting old games where the the rights have lapsed and then re-releasing them in like these fresh versions. Well, like, that's yeah, that's Night Dive's deal, right? Right, but, and they're uh, the developer. They've been like a bit of a mixed bag, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know. I didn't know if it changed uh, developers over to them, if because uh, it looked like it was originally developed by uh, Looking Glass, but I don't know if um, that nothing else the original game. Yeah, I think that's the original System Shock was made by them, and I Looking Glass was dissolved yeah. a few years later. Um, I'm I'm looking. I, I'm going to give it a try because I've always wanted to play System Shock. Yeah, I, I I love the Bioshock games. I'd be interested to see where it came from. I love Prey, which is a shock game. Um, so I do like this style of game, and like a System Shock, the original, it's just too old for me. I don't have any nostalgia for it. And you look at it, it's like playing Doom, the original Doom. Um, so I would like to play play a, a new take on it. Um, Night Dive's a bit of a mixed bag for me. They they kind of really mishandled the the remaster of um, the Blade Runner game. Looked terrible. They used like AI upscaling and things, which just looked awful. They forgot to credit people that provided like community sub like uh, the community provided subtitles for them, and they just didn't credit them. And um, they had to like be credited after the fact. They did a lot of stuff that. I wasn't particularly a, a big fan of with that one, but they have um, they have they have done some really great uh, remasters in the past as well. So I'm sure they'll do a, a good job with this. I think this is probably their first new game, right? Uh, so look, previously at, it's all been like re-releases. So they have two other games um, that they published, but they didn't develop. So in 2015, they published Spirits of Xanadu. Um, which was worked on by Good Morning and Commander, and then they published Womb Room in 2016 from Bearded Eye. This is their first night dive developed game. Um, but then they have done a bunch of the remastered and enhanced ports. Like in 2015, they did System Shock Enhanced Edition, which is like the enhanced version of the original game. Um, they worked on the Turok ports that got done in 2015 and 17. Um, they did the Doom 64. Yeah, they, they did like the Quake stuff as well. Yeah, the Quake Xbox, port. I remember that. Um, System Shock 2 Enhanced Edition is like coming from them as well. So yeah, they've... Um, this this seems to be their first like major outing, you know, where they're not just kind of like polishing off an old game and re-releasing it. Um, interesting. I'd be interested to see what happens with it then. Yeah, it's it's interesting. For sure, because uh, it, it is very much like it feels like a question mark. Like it looks good, and I've I've heard that the demo is has been solid, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like it, it's um. I guess I'm not sure what to make of it yet, but it's supposed to come out in March, so it's it's supposed to be imminent at this point. So, um, 
And obviously, you can go grab the demo now and, and check it out and, and get a sense for it. So I think this is one I'd like to kick the tires on and see if it if it does anything for me. Because just like you, I'm a big fan of Bioshock. And I've always wanted to kind of see that, yeah. the lineage, where it comes from. But never got around to it. I never have, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. It's one to keep an eye on. You know, I think uh, it's... It, I'm I'm certainly not... Uh, I don't know that it's one you can take to the bank yet. But I think... Uh, definitely one that's going to be interesting to try and see what people's reaction is uh so then this next one is planet of lana or lana um this is one we've seen in the past i can't remember if it was at a nintendo event or what but i remember it catching my eye previously uh it's an indie from a swedish studio named wishfully and um originally got announced in 2021 and it's like a platformer where you play this character lana or lana um, and she has this little like black monster creature animal that's like her pet companion. And you're on this um, mission to like find her sister on like a planet that um, they're living on that like seems to be in the throes of like a, a war of the worlds type situation where there's like these UFOs that have like come down and are attacking everybody. Um, it, it's one that like the style of it really caught my attention when we first saw it. I think it has a really nice art style. Um, you know, I love a cute monster animal companion, whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's just one that caught my attention and I, I'm excited to kind of see if it comes together as well as I think it might. Yeah, it feels like it'd be right at home on, uh, on Steam Deck as well. This was shown at an Xbox event. It's ex- console exclusive to, okay. uh, to Xbox. I think we saw it last year. It was playable at Gamescom. Um, so I guess it's probably a similar demo to the one that was at Gamescom. It's now in Next Fest, uh, but it seems like it's it's really coming along and is uh, due out in spring, right? Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, does this one do anything for you? No, not really. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. It reminds me of one I reviewed when we were at uh, Loot Pots, um, which I can't remember the name of. Let me find out. Uh, which was another Planet game. Planet Alpha, which was a game from... Um, uh, I can't remember who. But yeah, I, it was similar in style. It's like a side-scrolling platformer kind of thing with a sto- story-driven, focused on like... with some like environmental puzzles, that kind of thing. It was from uh, Team 17. Kind of reminds me of like Limbo, but like less spooky. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's definitely interesting to me. Uh, I, I think the, the art style really caught my attention and I like the idea of kind of like a 2d platformer telling like an environmental story, you know, like, I, I don't know, it seems different. And I don't know if it's one that is going to necessarily, uh, knock my socks off, but it definitely has a, some personality to it that I, I'm fine. I'm finding very interesting. That's for sure. Uh, so speaking of interesting art styles, this next one uh, that I wanted to highlight, it's called Shadows of Doubt. Uh, it is a stealth detective game set in a science fiction noir city. Uh, it's got a like very like neon, you know, like retro future kind of vibe, which, you know, is very much my my aesthetic for sure. Um, and you're a private investigator who is trying to like uh, solve uh, uh, the main mystery is about a, a serial killer, but then there's like these other smaller stories that you'll take on jobs to like 
keep yourself in business while you're solving the broader plot and everything. Um, it's got a uh, like a voxel kind of like style yeah. to the overall world. Voxels, yeah. Um, it's like it's like got a almost like phenomenal. A, yeah, it's got like almost like a Minecraft look to it. Um, but then the actual characters themselves are like more. They're still voxel, but they feel a little flatter. You know, it's it's very interesting. Oh, the the guy himself, the the character you play, seems to be f- like fully voxel based. Um, it's it's very interesting. I'm look I'm looking forward to trying this one out. I love detective games. I love like neon noir style. I think they look really cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I actually think this is this is really cool, and it seems like you actually have to collect evidence and go on leads and things like that, and like you pick locks and and do all sorts of cool stuff. So. Yeah, this one's uh, very much on my on my wish list, uh, and I'm gonna check this one out before before next fest is over. Yeah, I fi- I figured you would. Uh, this is one. As soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this feels like a Steve game." You love you love solving <laughs> a mystery and doing environmental puzzles. I yes, that is true. It's funny. Yeah, I I don't love that stuff as much, but the style of this is like I just think really cool. You know, like it's got a really. Uh, it's got a really, I think, a phenomenal look to it, you know? And, like, the like you don't get a lot of, like, fully realized, like, voxel-style games, you know? It feels super unique. Um, and, yeah, just, like, there's just a, a scene that was showing up of you punching a guy. Like, the, the level of detail on the voxel models is weird, too, I think, because, like, you're used to it being a little square, right, with, like, something like Minecraft, and, like, the definition in the face and everything is, is a little... It's, yeah, it's, it's very cool. different. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that one. Um, you'll have to let me know how the demo is. I don't know that I'll get around to it, but definitely one I'm keeping on my radar. Uh, so this next one caught my attention uh, as well, and it's like a, a story driven, like choose your own adventure, cozy indie. Maybe it's a sad boy game. I, I'm not quite sure like what the tone of it is, but. Um, the style of it definitely caught my attention. It, it's uh, it's from Laura Shigihara, who is an indie dev who worked on a game called uh, Rakuen, which was like a pixel art RPG that that got some attention. Um, and this is uh, a game where you play like a white collar office worker who um, works for this like really like shitty company, you know, and he ends up in the hospital. And, like, meets this child who, like, draws a picture of him and he ends up in this, like, fantastical world. And I don't know. It, it just seems interesting. You know, it's like I like these games. Like, I like weird indie games that have quirky gimmicks and weird stories and that, like, are about, like, let's explore the human condition a little bit more and that isn't going to be focused on combat and stuff like that. Um, they don't always land, but they're interesting. And I like that people are out there making games like this that are trying to push the boundaries of like what a video game is and, and what you're doing while you're playing and what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling and all that stuff, you know? Um, so this is one I could see either being like a cutesy quirky kind of thing, or like maybe it has like a deeper, like, you know, undertale kind of energy to it as well. I'm not sure, but I want to find out. I think it's probably I think it's probably gonna be the former, but it looks really cool. Absolutely beautiful art style. I love the fact that they've restricted themselves to four by three. I always like it when some like um uh, movies and TV shows do that. Um it's like an artistic choice. 
I think yeah. it's cool. I think it's. I think it looks like a really cool game. Yeah, this is definitely one I, uh, I'm keeping on my radar. And apparently, um, I believe I saw someone say that the Switch version of it is going to come with a copy of of her original game as well, um, the one that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, want to keep an eye out for? I think. I think this is this is this is definitely one that I I want to keep on my radar, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I've got, I, I picked out a few others other than the ones that you uh, you found. So there's a game called Outlanders, which I think looks quite cool. Um, and it is uh, it's like a, a town building strategy game. And you have to like uh, some people just want to survive, some people want to create things. You have to like make sure you you kind of suit their needs. You can't control them uh, directly, but you can place things around them and manage things and stuff and they'll decide what they want to do and where they want to live and stuff like that which i think is quite cool it reminded me a little bit of um of black and white uh where you don't actually control the people and you can't tell them what to do but like you're you're like this godlike uh character above that manages to control every part of their life just by placing things around them and doing things which i thought was really cool and it looks like a it's quite a nice art style and it looks like um it's, it's got a cool soundtrack to go with it um, due out in, in Q1 of uh, 2023. Um, looks like it could be quite a chill one with um, then also some some deeper gameplay as well if you really get into the strategy of stuff. Um, Did, just Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. Did you ever do the video on on playing like Lost Games? Because I remember you were going to do that with Black and White, weren't you? Not yet. No, I haven't yet. Chop, chop, buddy. I want to play. Let's go. <laughs> this looks good though i like i like this kind of game a lot um i i like it uh you brought up black and white it also kind of reminds me of like uh like maybe like a tropico you know or like something like that where yeah it, you know, um or like i guess even like sim city right where like it is like you're controlling the environment control characters yeah it's the environment you're controlling yeah yeah, yeah i, I, think, I, I like a, i like right. a good god game you know, I think I think those games are can be really fun. Um, and there's like a lot of opportunity for like, I mean, and like, I don't know, like what the depth is going to be here with that. But I like when those games like give you opportunities for like role playing, you know, and it's like black and white. It's like, do I want to be a, a, a benevolent God or do I want to be evil? Right. Or like, you know, if I'm tropical, do I want to be uh, do I want to uh, ha- have have my island be like a tourist attraction or do I want to exploit all of our natural resources and and make it, you know, an industrial power, things like that. Um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. And it's like very much a different way to kind of like do some role playing, um, which that's one of the fun things, right? That's the that's the backbone of video mm-hmm. games. All right, so next up, uh, you got a game pic- called Pixelshire. What's what are we looking at here? Yeah, so I briefly spoke about this uh, earlier on. This is very much uh, uh, a Stardew Valley inspired game. Um, gotcha. Uh, to the point where I think you could maybe consider it a clone, uh, but I'm interested in in checking it out and exploring it. And like, I loved Stardew Valley anyway. And if there's another game that's very much like Stardew Valley, with where I can build out a town instead of just a farm. And I'm all for it. Um, I'm I'm very much interested in in checking it out. And like, 
you have similar things that you would do in Stardew Valley with like trading, farming, mining, wood cutting, fishing, cooking, brewing, all of that stuff. It feels more um, akin to Animal Crossing with the uh, like the fact that you Animal Crossing with a with a Stardew style, I think. Yeah, because yeah. like you can like it, there's like terraforming options and like you can like build out your homestead and everything. It it feels like, um. Yeah, like, I can definitely see the marriage of those two. Like, the things about those games that are unique seem to both be here. Because there's even, like, you can build NPCs' homes and, like, you know, make sure that, like, you're matching. That's like, feels like Happy Home Designer. There seems to be, like, a supernatural element in the story, which, like, feels like akin to Stardew. Um, yeah, it definitely seems like it's wearing its its influences on its sleeves there. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad. That's, you know, that's often a great no, way to get a good I, game. Uh, yeah. But the art style is very, very similar, very similar indeed. Especially if you look at, say, the the mine. Like even the rocks look the same, which is uh, mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. This I think this looks good. Um, of all of the games of this style that we've seen in recent memory, this is the first one. I'm like, oh, I might play that. That actually looks good. That and Witchbrook. Like, when is Witchbrook coming out? I'm so excited to play that. I've been excited to play that forever. And the I need a wizard game that's not toxic <laughs> that I can enjoy. And it's like a beautiful pixel style. Be great. Yeah, and the uh, what's the the haunted chocolate chocolatier one too? Haunted chocolatier. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. He can take as long as he wants to, um, to make his next game. I mean, it's not like he needs the money. So, no, that's probably true. Um. Okay. So then, the last one you wanted to highlight was a game called Espresso Tycoon. Yes. Yeah. So I I I love coffee. I love tycoon games. And I think one of my one of my dreams in life has always been to open like a coffee shop or a bakery or something like that. Um, maybe event, maybe at some point in my life I will, and later in life. Uh, and I just love the love. And I wanted to highlight specifically Pete because I know we both played um, Coffee Talk and loved it. One of the things we absolutely just both despised in that game was the latte art functionality. Yeah, and I want to highlight the fact that there is a good latte art designer in this, and you can like pick the patterns that you want based on market research and what people like, and you can like put that on your drinks and <laughs> sell the drinks with that specific latte art. I'm looking at the the market research, but I like how it's like, oh, like this appeals to old people, this appeals to hipsters, this appeals to kids, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, seniors, tech people, whatever. This yeah, cool. so I thought it was really cool. You get to like build out your whole cafe. There's like tons of different styles that you can do. You can have like cats around if you want to, like animals and pets and stuff. Um, this is a you lot. You can choose what drinks you want. This is a lot deeper and more interesting than I thought it was going to be before I clicked on this trip. Yeah, yeah, it looks it looks really cool. It does. I, I'm interested to to check it out. Um, it looks really cool. This it's seems like, like this si- would be similar a, in style. This seems like this would genuinely be a gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check this one out. There, they also have um, uh, Espresso Tycoon Prologue Underwater, which is a free game you can get at the moment. It's, it's an underwater mission from Espresso Tycoon, um, and you ru- you run an underwater cafe like I, under the ocean, and it's like a, a level from that that you can try. That I don't like. Um, as well as the demo. So there's the demo, and there's also that. But that got very positive reviews that came out in November uh, 528 reviews with like a, a very positive um, 
uh, spin on it. So that's cool. Yeah, looking forward to checking I, out Espresso Tycoon. That that bit scares me a little bit. If I'm honest, I used to want that. Like I used to like like the idea of oh, it would be so cool to like be in a restaurant that's underwater or whatever. But now like I I'm actually terrified by that idea. <laughs> like Sarah showed me this video. It was like a one of the, like it was like a horror TikTok, and it created entirely a new fear for me, which is uh. I'm not, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable with water, right? Like the open ocean has never been bothered me. Like my father was a sailor. I've spent a lot of time in the open ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was this video where it was like a camera and it was like above the water and it kept like the wave would just come up and you could like see this fucking scary monster underneath the water. And I'm like, oh, now I'm terrified of that. Like that's a thing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so imagine this is underneath the Loch Ness, you know, you're you're screwed. That sounds bad. Well, Nessie's friendly though, right? Like, I don't think she's going to do anything. Okay, well, it's full of sharks then. There you go. Ugh, I don't know about that. Yeah, sharks scare me less than jellyfish scare me. I have an irrational fear of jellyfish. You know what's the thing that honestly scares me the most is anglerfish. And, like, I don't really think they yeah, can terif- do that terifying. much to hurt me, right? Like, they, like, eat what little about stingrays? things. Stingrays. Stingrays got, got um, the, the dude, right? Steve, Steve Irwin. What... Don't even joke about yeah. that, you know? Like, that, that's still... I, I, Terrible. I, it, it bothers me. Because I liked stingrays, you know? Like, I was at an aquarium recently, touch tank, touching the stingrays, and I'm like, eh, stingrays are cool. They're a cool animal. But I got a, I got a bit of a, you know, it's like a little, because I'm like, I want to let it go, because I know Steve wouldn't want us to hate the stingrays, right? He would, that was not his goal in life, was to teach us about mm-hmm. animals. He's, so, you know, but like, I got a little bit of a feud with them. I'm not, they're not my favorite animal anymore, if I'm honest with you. But anyway, Espresso Tycoon, looking pretty good. So here's my challenge to you, Steve. Uh, I want you to go download all the games you said you want to play. I'll download some of the games I said I want to play because I had a slightly longer list. Let's try and play, and we'll come back next week with some light reviews. How do we feel about that? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Uh, obviously, barring... we'll see if we can get we'll see if we can get Max to play some as well, and he can report back yeah. as well. Because I'm sure he has some different ones. I think we can prize him away from uh, from Metroid. Right, that's true. He's probably knee deep in that today. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, guys, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm gonna miss the recording today." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you're not feeling good. Or are you playing Metroid Prime? Let's be real, huh? Come on, just saying, just saying. Um, no shade. Just you know, just be honest with us, Max. Uh, but yeah, I barring major news next week that monopolizes the show, that'll be the game plan. So. Uh, if there's any other games you'd like us to play and come with thoughts about them, games that maybe you you got on your radar that we didn't talk about here um, that you think we would like, uh, definitely make sure you write in and let us know. A um, couple ways you can do that. Questions at flipscreen.games. Join, come join the Discord. Jump in the uh, Steam Deck podcast uh, chat thread. Bunch of ways that you can get in touch and, and let us know your thoughts, what games you're looking forward to, and what games you think should be on our radar as well. Um, however you choose to reach out, we'd love to hear from you for next week's show. So, again, flipscreen.games. That's where you can find all the links. You can become a Patreon supporter. You can find our sister shows. We got a lot of good content out there for you these days. We uh, just did an episode all about the latest Nintendo Direct. So if you're a handheld nerd uh, like us and you want to go listen to our reactions to that news, make sure to go check out that as well. So, for the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the Steam Deck Podcast. Keep on gaming, baby.